Do you like brass British trash talk? Well, then you're in for a treat, because on this week's episode of Sucker Radio, we've got the Count, Michael Bisping, stopping by to discuss his work behind the Fox desk, as well as a little bit of trash talk towards Vitor Belfort. Also on the show, Bellator 146 main event fighter, Melvin Manhoff. This is MMA fight music producer, Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe... Welcome back to a brand new episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com, as well as LastWordOnSports.com. I am your host, and as you heard right off the hop, we've got a fantastic show for you guys. I say that all the time, but we're in for a treat with this one. Michael the Count Bisping stops by to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. I had the pleasure of chatting with him a few nights ago. Um... We chat for about 25 minutes or so, and, and he he holds nothing back. He puts everything out on the table except for an opponent. Unfortunately, that's stuffed in his back pocket, and he cannot discuss that. But what a fun, fun chat I had with him. So look forward to that right off the hop, um, right after I talk to you about this weekend. But uh, rounding out the show, we've got... Bellator 146 main event fighter Melvin Manhoff, Nick Baldwin, the boy wonder, uh, the guy who writes for MMASucker.com, owns MMAJunior.co, and of course is a staff writer now at BloodyElbow.com, had a chance to sit down and chat with Melvin uh, last week, so that will air later on in the show. But if you are a fight fan, if you... Not just mixed martial arts, but combat friggin' sports. This weekend is a fun one for you. 48 hours, you will likely be drooling in front of your TVs and computers. We're going to chat about four of the cards that are going down this weekend. We've got, as I mentioned, Bellator 146. Melvin Manhoff takes on Hisaki Kato in the main event. And it's an interesting one because Cato knocked out Joe Schilling in his last fight, a K-1 fighter. Now he's stepping in there against Melvin Manhoff, a K-1 fighter. So this should be a guaranteed knockout in that main event. Also on the card, Bubba Jenkins takes on Jordan Parsons. Houston Alexander returns to the cage against Guillerme Viana. Uh, Chitty Enjo Kawani comes in against Rick Rainey. And Brandon Gertz takes on Derek Campos. WSOF 25, which is the eight-man lightweight tournament, goes down as well with Luis Palomino versus Richard Patishnok, Brian Foster versus Juan Zeferino, Brian Cobb versus Mike Ricci. Boy, that's a fun fight. And Islam Mamedov against George Patino. Obviously, there's the reserve bouts. There's a couple of them. LaRue Burley versus Joe Condon and Benny Madrid versus Ramil Mustapayev, I think his last name is. So all the fights on this card other than two are tournament fights. Uh, should be a fun one. So the entire preliminary card is filled with tournament opening round bouts other than two fights. And then the entire main card is lightweight tournament semifinals, the finals, as well as Jason High versus Estevan Payan. So a very fun fight card on November 20th from Phoenix, Arizona. 
One championship returns with one championship, 33 Dynasty of Champions, one week after their last show. Pretty fun uh, to see them doing this. This one goes down in Beijing, China, at the Olympic Sports Center Gymnasium. Uh, some big names on this card that I am going to have a tough time pronouncing, but... The unification of the featherweight title is up for grabs in the main event, and the flyweight title is uh, the co-main event. The Beijing Featherweight Tournament 2 final is also on this card, with a bit of a tournament opening up the card. Saturday, the UFC returns to Mexico. Um, They are heading to the Monterey Arena, and Kelvin Gastelum versus Neil Magny is the main event. What a fun fight that one is. Ricardo Lamas takes on Diego Sanchez in the co-main event. Henry Cejudo takes on Jussier Formiga. Enrique Marin versus Eric Montano in the tough Latin 2 welterweight final. The lightweight final is Enrique Barzola versus Horatio Gutierrez. Interesting that both finalists... Two of the finals, the welterweight one and the lightweight one, both have a guy named Enrique in it. Wow, very interesting. And kicking off the six-fight main card is Efrain Escudero versus Leandro Silva. This is a fun fight card from top to bottom, I, I have to be honest with you. I uh, Sometimes these... These UFC fight night cards can be draining and, you know, the Mexican and the international ones are usually soiled over by, you know, fights that that are very localized. And even despite the fact that these are localized and, you know, we have the Tough Latin 2 um, finals and, and a lot of Mexican and, and Spanish fighters on this card, but, you know, a lot of these guys are very, very fan-friendly. Like Eric Perez, this guy puts on always fun fights. Um, Scott Jorgensen, are you ever in for a non, um, you know, a combative battle with this guy inside the cage? And Team Alpha Male Andre Feely is kicking off the Fox Sports 1 preliminary card. So we are in for a treat on Saturday night with UFC Fight Night 78, Magni versus Gastelum. As I said, we got quite the show for you today, so kicking things off, let's get right into my interview with Michael the Count Bisp. This guy is the number seven ranked UFC middleweight in the world. Please welcome Michael Bisping back to Sucker Radio. Mike, thanks for joining me, man. My absolute pleasure. Now... I, we were supposed to chat a little earlier, about three hours ago, I guess, and something came up. I, I heard you were on the side of the road changing a flat tire. A man with many tools under his belt, eh? Yeah, well, you could say that, but also any man that is not capable of changing their own tire when it goes flat can't really call themselves a man. Come on. <laughs> that, that is one... Listen, I'm no mechanic, and if I was to open the bonnet of a car, I don't... You guys call it a bonnet, but if you were to open the front of the car where the engine is, I wouldn't have a clue what to do. But you've got to know how to at least change a tire. If you can't do that, come on, you're not a man. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, I wanted to have you on because, I mean, no, you haven't fought in quite some time. You were expected to fight Robert Whitaker. Um, but you have been keeping yourself fairly busy. You've been behind the desk at Fox. You uh, commentated Shudo. Just talk about... Uh, how you've been feeling uh, doing the whole commentating thing and the analyst side of things? I mean, is this something that you're digging doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'm i very, very lucky because obviously I fought in the UFC for a long time and I'm still 
very busy doing that. I've had two fights this year and hopefully another fight announcement coming soon. And the problem used to be, though, that whilst I was, uh, you know, very happy with my lot of fighting for the UFC, there was always a lot of downtime in between fights. You know, and, uh, when you're not training for a fight, of course, you're not going to spend the whole day training. So, uh, as I said, there was always a lot of downtime. Now, um, my time is filled. I'm, I'm very, very busy. I do a lot of work, as you know, for Fox. I just did my first commentating thing for Shudo, but I do UFC now. I'm about to launch my own radio show for Sirius XM on Thursday. So I've got my, my debut show this Thursday on Sirius. Uh, and, you know, I do a little bit of acting here and there as well. So my plate is definitely full, and it's something that I really enjoy. The analysts work for Fox, and the work for UFC tonight, I... Totally enjoy doing that. You know, the, all the guys over there at Fox, the guys and girls, I should I say, they're all fantastic. They're uh, very great people. They've taught me a lot. They've really taken me under their wing and helped me hone my skills there. So I'm eternally grateful to them for that. Um, of course, it's nice to still be involved with the sport outside of fighting. Uh, it's good to keep in the public eye. And of course, Dollars in the bank are always very welcome as well. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it all. Now, I, I, a few things I want to touch on from that answer. First off, congratulations on the show, which you said airs this Thursday on Sirius. Um, where exactly on Sirius is this going to be airing? Which station and whatnot? What time is it going to drop on Thursday? I'm sure you'll be able to get it on demand as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be on uh, Sirius uh, Channel 93, Rush FM, or sorry, Sirius Rush XM Channel 93, and I believe it's every Thursday, but I believe, I think it's 1 till 3. 1 till 3, is it? it? It's just confusing with the East Coast time and the of West course, Coast. Of course, yeah. I'm trying to get it right, but I, I believe it's 1 till 3, 3 till 5 in, oh, I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> I could be wrong. 1 till 3 on a Thursday is what I'm going to go with. Or it could be three to five. I'm not sure. But Thursday, Sirius XM Rush 93, you will be able to find myself and Luis J. Gomez hosting our own show, talking about MMA, current affairs, whatever it is, and uh, just having a good time. What's it going to be called? It's called The Countdown with Michael Bisping and Luis Gomez. Nice. All right. Now, talking Shudo, is, is that something that you've picked up um, long-term? Like, are you going to be doing events are you taking over for Dominic Cruz is basically what I'm asking. No, 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 no. So Dominic, as we all know, has a very big fight coming his way with uh, TJ Dillashaw. So right now he's in training camp, so I'm filling in for him. Uh, but I'm hoping that the people at Zufa, you know, this this will be the first of many. Uh, they said to me, you know, give it a try and uh, kind of like an audition to see how it goes. And hopefully, as I said, there'll be more, there'll be more of it to come. I think they were happy with the job that I did. I certainly had a great time. I enjoyed it. And uh, as I said, hopefully there'll be more in the pipeline, but only time will tell. W- would it be a dream of yours to call a UFC fight? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's a natural progression from fighter to analyst, analyst to commentator. So, you know, I mean, the more involved I get on the media side of things, because listen, I'm 36, I'm almost 37. Um, I still want to fight for a while longer. Yet. I've still got a good few fights left under my belt. But... I'm certainly trying to set myself up so when I'm done, you know, I'm still a young man. You know, I've still got, you know, another 30 years of working. So, you know, I, I want to make a living out of my knowledge within the MMA, um, you know, scene. So if I can get involved with as much analyst work, TV work, 
commentating, all that type of stuff. Listen, it's great work. It's enjoyable. I'm passionate about mixed martial arts. So it's, uh, you know, it's a natural fit for me. So if I can do all those things, I'll be very happy. I've had you on before and, and we've talked about your Fox analyzing stuff, but I don't think I've actually asked you, let's backpedal a little bit, how it all came about. Um, how did Zufa approach you or how did Fox approach you to sit behind that Fox desk? Yeah, I, I think my manager, Audiosar, actually uh, had some preliminary conversations with them for Paradigm Sports Management. But I remember I was driving, uh, I was driving my car, I was headed to LAX, uh, Los Angeles Airport, and I was actually late for a flight, which is a pretty uh, common theme with myself. And uh, I, I parked with the, you know, the long stay car park, and I had to get out of the car and dash to the car. And Zachary Candido, he's in charge of all the, and, you know, all the TV side of things, the production for Zufa. And uh, he gave me a call offering uh, uh, me, you know, an audition, if you will, and a trial gig. And I was like, look, listen, this is great. I'm really interested, but I can't talk now because I'm literally going to sprint to the airport and I'm flying to London. I'll be back in two weeks. Can we talk about it then? And uh, that's how we came around. We picked up those conversations when I came back from London. And, uh, you know, fortunately, it went very well. And a few, several years later, I'm still there, part of the team. Yeah, basically the rest is history. Now, how how hard was it for you to take your heart out of out of what you were talking about. I mean, you've trained with a bunch of these guys that you're talking about as in fighters and sitting alongside a bunch of guys that you've also trained and, and fought against and whatnot. How hard was it yeah. for you to take your heart out of it? See, this is the thing that, that you have to try and, uh, you know, you have to separate yourself. So, so when, when I'm in there, and I, I'm not referring to myself in the third person, but this just explains what I'm saying. You have to separate yourself from Michael Bissett, the fighter, to Michael Bissett, the analyst, because, you know, you, you can't be sizing yourself up against everybody. You can't be talking about, you know, you can't favoritism, you know. People are tuning in. They want to hear your honest opinions and uh, the, the honest facts on people. So, you know, of course, sometimes it is difficult if you're discussing a fighter that you have a personal relationship with or perhaps a fighter that, you know, you fought uh, in the past, or perhaps you've had some kind of beef or something like that. With so it's kind of hard to uh, be honest and and be impartial, or you know, not jump on the bandwagon and talk a little bit of shit because you don't necessarily <laughs> like the guy. But you've got to be honest, you know. So you know, if, if I think you're one of those people that honest it's not always the most uh, popular thing, or perhaps it's not always the most PC. But I'll. I'll say how it is, and you know, I, I, I think I get a good response from the people at Fox, and certainly from the people that tune in. You know, I, uh, I, I certainly say what I feel. Exactly, like this last event, uh, Vitor Belfort, Dan Henderson. I mean, these are two guys that you've stepped inside the octagon with. It must have been fun talking about that one. <coughs> well, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, there's no love lost between. I, I think all three of us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think we all dislike each other in equal measures. Let's be honest, but. Uh, you know, for Dan Anderson, I've really got nothing against him. Dan is who he is. We fought a long time ago, and, and good for him. You know, uh, Vito Belfort, on the other hand, you know, I, I, I don't really care for Vito. You know, he, he's a great fighter, but he's just such a hypocrite. He's really just a hypocrite, I think, for everything that he stands for and all the bullshit that comes out of his mouth and all the preaching about being a good person and the goddamn person when in reality, he's just a fucking dirty scumbag. So, uh there you go. There's your headline. Vito's a dirty scumbag. I should have said <laughs> that, but there you go. Um, but 
but they, yeah, you know, so, but yeah, we, we, you've got to separate that. I mean, I was on UFC tonight or somewhere recently talking about that fight, and I couldn't say that, you know. No, yeah. I've got to say, listen, you know, I've got to say, listen, the reality of the situation is he is a legendary fighter. He's a very good fighter. He did this, he did that. He's a two-division champion, blah, 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 blah. Yes, personally, I don't care very much, but you can't deny his fighting accolades, you know, so... You know, yeah, as I say, sometimes it is difficult, but you have to do that. You have to separate yourself from that. Would you be able to separate yourself if, if, say, you were breaking down yourself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I do that frequently. Fair enough. Now, you know, something that's that's been in the news the last couple of weeks is, is Anderson Silva. And it, pr- t- tell me exactly... Um, what's going on with this? Because there's numerous stories out there. There's one where you're saying that you're you're not interested in, or well, not that you're not interested in fighting it with him, but it hasn't come up. There's another one saying that you would love to fight him and, and that it has come up. Now, Dana White is saying that they're trying to make Anderson Silva versus Vitor Belfort to a fight. Have they spoken to you about Anderson? Yeah, you know, listen, Anderson is a... He's a legend. He's one of the greatest fighters that ever competed, if not the greatest fighter that ever competed in the Oxygen. Certainly one of them. So, you know, at first, you know, I didn't want to fight him. You know, but when I first heard about all these rumors, well, not rumors, when I first heard that he failed his drug test, I was like, well, well screw it. I don't really want to fight that guy anymore. Uh, that's just the way it is. You know, I kind of said to myself, I said, that's it. I'm not fighting any more of these guys. They've had a history with performance-enhancing drugs. Then I want no part of it. Uh, but then I thought to myself, listen, you know, if it's really a realistic possibility, you know, this is Anderson Silva we're talking about, a legendary fight. It would be a huge fight. It's somebody I always wanted to fight and uh, to challenge myself against. And it would be, uh, yeah, for me, it, it would be, a, you know, it would be a great thing. So I thought, screw it, you know. Uh, so if the UFC want to make that fight, I'm all about it, 100%. As of yet, right now, I haven't heard or had any dialogue with the UFC regarding that matchup. But, you know, if they're listening, I'm all for it. <laughs> but there is stuff in the word works. You've been in talks with the UFC about an upcoming bout? Yeah, of course I have. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very tight-lipped, my friend. I know the next question is going to be, can you tell us who? Can you tell us this? Oh, I know can you, can, us I know you of, can't tell us. <laughs> right now, I am under firm instructions to keep my mouth shut, my lips sealed, and keep that knowledge in my back pocket. So, unfortunately, guys, not right now. Talk about the elbow injury a little bit. Uh, how you feeling now? I mean, you were you were two out, two almost two a month and a half out from the fight when when you withdrew. It must have been pretty bad. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, so I was training for the fight, and I was actually wrestling with Patrick Cummins. He's one of my regular training partners, and he, uh, well, no, no, sorry, not he. So we were wrestling, and then one day. My arm just started really hurting, and then it progressively was getting worse and worse. And I actually had a wrist injury at the time, and I was going to a doctor, and I was getting some cortisone injections into my wrist. And whilst I was there, I said, look, listen, I said, would you mind just taking a look at my elbow and maybe give that a cortisone shot, um, because my arm is really bothering me. And he said, well, listen, let's do an x-ray while we're here. So he did an x-ray, and he actually said then, he said, you've got some little bits of bone floating around in there. He said, if you can get through this training camp, afterwards we should have a little operation, go in there, clean it out, etc., etc." I said, okay, cool. Um, but then as the camp progressed, it was just getting worse and worse. And then by the end of it, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even do a push-up. I couldn't wrestle. I couldn't do jiu-jitsu. I couldn't throw a punch or a jab because it was just so painful to move. And then the arm kept locking up as well. 
So uh, I went back to the doctor. I told him. He said, "Yeah, look, listen, Michael." He said, "You know, I was hoping you'd get through it." He said, "But I kind of knew at the time." He said, "So unfortunately, we're going to have to operate, and there's no way you're going to be able to fight." So I had the surgery. I don't know, around roughly four weeks ago now. I'm light training again, uh, but it's still there's still pain there. There's still limited movement. I mean, I, I, I have range of motion, but it, my arm doesn't straighten all the way, and it doesn't fully bend in all the way because there's still inflammation there. But that will go. As I say, it's only been a few weeks. They went in there, they took out about five pieces of bone. They shaved down some like uh, bone spurs, some sharp bits of bone. So they did, they did some work, um, and it's just a case of the inflammation going down. So, uh, you know, I've still got time. All right, with you being an analyst for the last couple of years, let's talk some fights. UFC 193 went down this past weekend. The guy that you were expected to fight, Robert Whitaker, took on Uriah Hall. Had a pretty damn good outing in there. What would you think of that fight? Yeah, you know, I mean, he's, uh, he's a great young talent, and I knew that. I mean, obviously, I, I was booked to fight the guy, and uh, I knew it wasn't going to be an easy fight. Well, you know, I'm saying that. I mean, I was very, very confident I would have won that fight. But once I was happy... But it was a, a middleweight that I was actually bigger than because there's, there's such a huge middleweights out there and I seem to fight them all one after the other. Um, so this was one guy I was going to have a size advantage on. And whilst, as I say, I, I was confident I could go in there and beat the guy, I did uh, recognise, and you have to, you have to be honest, you have to look at fighters and break down their strengths and weaknesses. And I could see that this was a guy, you know, that, that has some skills. You know, he had great movement. He had obviously a very good left hook. He's tough. He's young. He's strong and, uh, you know, certainly not somebody to be underestimated. And to be honest, I actually picked Whitaker in the Uriah Hall fight. I just thought Whitaker would be a bad matchup for Uriah. Uriah likes to take the center of the octagon, doesn't utilize much movement, and doesn't really throw combinations. He likes to throw one shot at a time, often the very spectacular, you know, the very spectacular moves, and they're very fancy and flashy, and they look good. And if they connect, they can do fantastic damage. But they're very high-risk maneuvers. You know, there's a lot of spinning. There's a lot of setups and things like that. So, uh, Whitaker, on the other side, on the other hand, I saw him constantly pushing push the pace, getting in his face, making it more of, a, uh, uh, more of a fight as opposed to a demonstration, if you will. So, I picked Whitaker to win the fight. And, of course, uh, I was correct on that one. I'm not <laughs> always correct, but I was there. Uh, and, yeah, you know, Whitaker's a tough, he's a tough young man with a bright future. The main event, Holly Holm having her way with Ronda Rousey. I mean, from the start of the fight, even before Ronda got into the cage, Holly looked like she was extremely focused. Um, Ronda gets in the cage. Holly does her thing. She lands the jab. She lands the straight lefts. She, you know, she she basically had her way with Ronda Rousey for the full fight. Um, it was shocking. It was, you know, everyone yeah. was shocked out there when it happened. Um, what do you think of the fight? And and obviously Holly had the game plan of all game plans to get in there with Ronda Rousey. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, as you say, it was a shocking outcome. Everybody expected Ronda to go out there and win and do her thing. Um, you know, it, it was a very good game plan, but it was a pretty obvious game plan. I talked about it on UFC tonight. I said, you know, the game plan would be with Holly having the boxing pedigree, the footwork, you know, listen, if you're a good boxer, you have good feet, you have good footwork. And obviously, she was a taller girl, ran with better hands because she's a world champion boxer. So I said, you know, the, the game plan is simple. Dance around on the outside, use your footwork, and when the time is right, you know, throw the straight shots, which she did. She did fantastically. And she followed it up 
um, with the head kicking and got the win. So it was a masterful performance. It was very, very good. It was a disciplined performance. And um, as I say, you know, well done to Holly Hall. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, a little bit nasty the way everybody's uh, jumping on this bandwagon of talking so much trash about Ronda, you know, because, you know, everything she's done so far has worked, you know. Her game plan in the past was always go forward, be the aggressor, get her hands on her opponent, throw them to the mat, and she's done it masterfully time and time again, and she's taken over the sport. So on this occasion, she tried to do what's worked every single time, and, you know, it didn't work. It didn't work. There you go. But what can you say, you know? You know, it's, uh, this is a tough sport. Holly Hall was also undefeated, and as, as, we've, as we know, a multiple-time boxing world champion. So, you know, I'm sure the rematch, I'm not saying Ronda would win, but uh, I'm, I'll be very interested to see the rematch. But uh, I just think it's very interesting, you know, that all these people that have no knowledge of fighting, they don't know what it's like to step in there, uh, but yet all of a sudden they're all, they're all, uh, they're all backseat drivers, you know. They, yeah. They, they're, they're all experts on the fight game. All of a sudden, they're all saying, "Oh my God, what was she thinking?" When these guys could have fight the way out of a wet paper bag, <laughs> they really couldn't. So it kind of drives me crazy listening to all these experts on a Monday morning, you know, you... having their breakfast and putting things on Facebook when they've got no idea what it's like to even step onto a jiu-jitsu mat, let alone step into an octagon in front of millions of people around the world. And that goes for all fighters, you know. I mean. It's crazy what we do. We go in there and we, we, um, you know, we put ourselves on the line for the for the the entertainment of others. Of course, we do it for our own personal reasons. We do it because we want to get paid. Of course, um, you know, people want to cheer and people want to boo. But you know, some of the comments that come out afterwards, people should be ashamed of themselves, really. So uh, you know, well done to both of them, and of course. Well done to Holly Holm. Yeah, I think the comments are a little ridiculous as well. I wanted to ask you this, though. You've been a guy that, that changed up his camp um, throughout his career. You, you went from England to California. Um, what do you think of the talk about Rhonda changing up her training camp and her coaching staff? Well, you know, I've been very busy this week, uh, you know, studying. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I've got a lot on this week, but I've, I've got... I'm working as an analyst this weekend, so I've been busy uh, watching a lot of UFC fights and studying for that. But I have seen that during the rounds. I, I haven't really given it too much attention, to be honest. And I think, to be quite honest, I think it's ludicrous. You know, I really do. I mean, let's be honest. Had Ronda gone out there and won that fight, she'd still be, you know, everybody thinking she was invincible. She's Everybody thinking she's the Terminator or whatever of women's MMA. In the past, she's gone out there every single time and completely decimated her opponents. And uh, nobody ever suggested then that she needs to get a new coach. After one loss, if, if, I, if I was coaching somebody and I coached them to be a world champion, an undefeated world champion that took the world by storm and became the biggest star of female fighting or male fighting, and she lost once and fired me, I would never speak to that person ever again. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, you know, it's it's the competitor that steps in there. It's not the coach. Now, of course, you know, you always want to add strings to your bow or put more feathers in your cap, whatever it may be. You want to learn more skills. And I'm sure she brings in other coaches as well, you know. So I, I've seen, you know, her working with all different types of coaches. You know, I'm assuming Edmund, Edmund is the head coach and he puts things together and this and that. And they have a bond. I don't know too much about it, but... It's kind of, uh, you know, I, I would certainly say bring in, bring in somebody else that can maybe give 
uh, perhaps you know a different insight, things like that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's time to start firing people yet. Certainly, the guy that brought her all this way. UFC 194 goes down next month. Uh, I'm not going to talk to you about the main event because you're going to chat about that quite a bit in the coming weeks, I'm sure. But I want to talk to you about the middleweight championship, obviously. Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold. Who do you got in that fight, and, and do you think the belt could change hands? Well, it's certainly possible. You know, I mean, it seems that every time uh, Chris Weidman proves people wrong, and he could go out there and prove me wrong once again. Uh, I've got nothing against Chris. Honestly, I really don't. I know we've uh, kind of gone back and forth on social media a little bit over the last, I don't know, year or six months or whatever. But I'm a fan of Chris and I'm a fan of his champ. Uh, he's an incredible fighter. He's tough as hell. He's got a great chin. He's got great skills. His uh, wrestling is, you know, top-notch. His jiu-jitsu skills is, uh, you know, very, very scary. And he's got powerful stand-up. And he's, as I say, he's a great athlete as well. Um I think he's got a tough uh, fight on his hands with Lee Rockhold. I really do. I've never been overly sold on Weidman's stand-up, if I'm honest. He's got an incredible chin, but he's kind of slow. I think he's not the fastest striker. And I think if people can stop his takedowns, you know, then, then they might give uh, Chris a problem. You know, But we haven't seen guys be able to stop the takedowns and really be busy. I mean, I know he beat Machida, but Machida kind of, you know, did a typical Machida fight and laid off a little bit. It was only until the later rounds that he really poured the pressure on, and he probably won those last two rounds. So uh, with with Rockhold, I think there's a guy there that can stop the takedowns. Obviously, he trains with uh, DC and Kevin Velasquez, so he's seen that caliber of wrestling before. I think on the floor, as much as it pays me to say it, because you know Luke's uh, not a guy that's on my Christmas card list. <laughs> uh, you know Luke is very very talented on the floor. You know he's an exceptional jiu-jitsu practitioner. So I believe he could more than match him there. And on the feet, Luke's the much taller guy. He's a longer guy, so he's got that range. He's a southpaw, which will give him problems. And he's much, much faster. Luke is much faster. Striking is, with striking, speed is the key. And uh, Luke is the, the faster guy and the more technical guy. So based upon those reasons, I see Luke winning the fight. Now, of course, Weidman has proved me wrong many times. So uh, And I look forward to him proving me wrong again. But if I was a betting man, I would bet on Rockhold. All right, before I let you go here, you said it earlier that you've been in talks. I obviously didn't ask you who you were fighting. You said you were keeping that in your back pocket. But when do you think we can see you back inside the octagon? Don't give us an exact date, obviously, because you can't do that. But how long do you think before we see you back in there? Well, it's no secret because it's all over social media. I'm pushing to be on the card in February in London. It's been six years since I fought in London, uh, in England. My last fight was in Scotland, so that was great. And it was, it was awesome to be back in the UK. Uh, but there's a fight card in London. I love London. It's my favorite city in the world. Obviously, I'm English. Um, and uh, the O2 Arena is an amazing venue. And I've got such great memories from competing there. So I'm pushing hard to be on that card. The UFC, I've got that and a couple of other possibilities as well. So, uh, obviously, it's down to them what they want to do, but we'll see. We'll come to an agreement. Um, that's what I'm pushing for, but we'll wait and see, I guess. <laughs> he is Michael Bisping, ranked number seven in the UFC middleweight division. He is also an analyst on Fox Sports, and he has a show coming out on Thursday on Sirius XM. Mike, thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. Just let people know where they can find you all over social media and any shout-outs you want to give. The floor is yours now, man. 
Yeah, well, uh, Sirius XM rushed 93, tuned in Thursday afternoons. I think it's one to three or three to five, <laughs> something like that. Myself and Louis Jake Gomez taking over the airwaves, so tune in for that. And uh, everyone that's helped me along the way, thank you, Paradigm Sports Management. And, uh, yeah, you know how to find me. Google my name, bitch, and you will find my relevant Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, tune in, check it out. Enjoy. Thank you very much. Joining me now is the man who faces Hisaki Kato in the main event of Bellator 146 next week. Please welcome Melvin Manhoff to Sucker Radio. Melvin, how's it going? How? Good. Very good, man. Awesome. Good to hear. Glad to have you on the show. Uh, you headlined Bellator 146, like I said, off the hop. Uh, next week, Shitaki Kato is your opponent in a pivotal middle- middleweight matchup. Um, Kato doesn't have very much experience at all. He's only 5-1. and one. Were you surprised at all when you got the call to fight him? Uh, yeah, he's like 5-1, but he has like... Uh, he, 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 he knocked out Joe Schilling, so yeah. Correct. And Joe Schilling knocked out me. So and I don't want to talk about it anymore. But uh, <laughs> you know, so, so no surprises. Yeah, so it's no surprise. So did he? He proved himself that he can handle it. So why not? Fair enough. Now, uh, how was your training camp leading up to this upcoming fight? Uh, my training camp. I went to Sweden uh, to Alpha Gym, and I trained there with uh, Ile Latifi and. Uh, Alexander Gustafsson, Makwan, uh, Weston, Jonathan Weston. You know, I think like a lot of guys who are, yeah, who are very well-rounded and they help me a lot, you know. And Andreas, their coach, their head coach, he was like busy with me all the time. And my friend Mighty was like uh, uh, helping me around, uh in Sweden and drive me around and do everything what we wanted to do. So I had like a good training camp. Was that a first time thing for you training with the likes of Alexander Gustafsson, uh, Ilir Latifi over in Sweden? It was the second time that I was in Sweden, you know, but okay. uh, the first time that I had my training camp there. So Nice, nice. Uh, so Hasaki Kato is coming off, like you mentioned, the big upset win over Joe Schilling. Um, in, in your eyes, how do you think you match up with Kato? In uh, my mind, um, the matchup against me, these are like two heavy hitters against each other, you know. And uh, of course, I have the experience, uh, uh, more fights, but he still proves that he can do something because Joe proved it also. And um, yeah, I think I have like a few more, a few more uh, years of experience than him, but. You know, matchup-wise, it's gonna be like a hard fight because he likes to sting and bang, and you know, this is also my it's also my my kind of game. So, and it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, I came to fight, and if he comes to fight, it's gonna be an awesome fight for the audience. And uh, at the end, I hope that I can I can raise my hand. So this is uh, how I predict the fight. Do you think the experience will play a big factor in this fight? Or do you think that'll be a big advantage for you? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It's not going to be like a, a huge factor, I think, because uh, it's still a fight. You understand? So it's not going to be a huge kind of factor. Um, I have, like, I have like done so many fights that, that I can uh, think uh, how I can uh, 
do more work. Uh, I don't know how to explain this proper in 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 English, you know. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of a effect, I think. For sure. Now, talk about your mindset going into this matchup on next Friday night. I'm um, coming off a pair of losses, which of course your last fight was then overturned to a no contest, which I do want to talk about in a little bit. But you you are coming off two losses, you can say. Um, so yeah. just talk about your your mindset going into this fight. Yeah, it's hard. Becoming of two losses is hard, but that's why you are like, uh, that's why you are a fighter. So you have to fight through this, you know, and we have to keep on going. And I will still give my heart and give everything to, to make like awesome fights, you know, and to win the fights because I trained very hard. You know, I didn't, I didn't leave something behind. You understand? I prepared my body very well for this upcoming fight. So um this is this is what I want to do and I want to ha- have like fun I want to have like fun you know yeah so this is my mindset now at the moment so I did everything what I have to do what's in my power to win this fight Fair, fair enough. Now, I do want to ask you about uh, your last fight, Alexander Shlomenko. Uh, after your fight with him, he tested positive for uh, steroids, and he was given a three-year suspension. Do you think that was fair, the suspension that long um, of a suspension was fair? And do you think we ever see him back inside the cage? You know, the suspension, I, I, I'm not the judge about that, you know. What what kind of time he get or not, you know, that doesn't interest me. Um, you know, he did what was not what was not right, and there's like a sentence on, and so he get the sentence, and that's it. So I'm not the judge, and if it's three years, two years, five years, I'm also not the judge about that. You know, um, I think he he can stand for his own uh, consequences, and that's it. And I, I hope to see him uh, again in the cage of uh, again. You know, because. Uh, Maybe I will see him and can do my rematch or something like this. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. I don't wait on this or something, but it would be nice. For sure. For sure. Now, I, I do want to ask you a little bit about your kickboxing career. Um, was there any specific reason you didn't fight um, in, in the kickboxing portion of Dynamite Card uh, back in uh, September? Was there any reason you didn't fight, um, you, you didn't compete in a kickboxing match, or were you hurt at that time? What was the uh, deal there? Because, like, I, I'm sure they would have loved you to have a kickboxing match. Did they ask you? Did you say no? Like, what was the deal there? Yeah, um, I still wasn't off my, uh, I had like a rest period for six months, so I didn't think it was like already at the time, so that's why I think they didn't ask me, I think, but but I had to have like a six month period, so yeah, that was the reason. Okay, I see. Now, you competed for Glory just over a year ago. Is there any plan for you to take another kick- kickboxing fight um, and possibly under the Glory banner? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so because now I'm trying to focus myself on uh, on MMA. Uh, this is what I want to do now uh, because I want to go for the title. I have a goal, and I think that uh, if I put everything on the side and go only for uh, only for one thing, it could be more successful because betting on two things then stand up then this then MMA it's hard you know when you are doing stand up the guys are doing 
uh, the other guys are doing their wrestling all the time, and I do my stand up again, you understand? So, you know, I think I have to do something uh, and focus myself on one thing now, and this is what I'm gonna try, you know. But fighting is your passion, so you know. But I think I'm gonna do only uh, MMA. All right, coming from a striking background, do you think that your striking ability would be beyond most in the MMA game? Do you feel that over the past few years, past five years or whatever, or do you think your MMA striking has gotten better? Yeah, my striking has gotten better for the MMA, I think. You know, but um, when I was like doing also like a lot of K1 fights, uh, my striking is getting better for the MMA. But when I was doing like more K1 fights, my striking was also more, yeah, more ferocious. I no, not ferocious, but like uh, I was like too much in the K1 stand-up game. So that's why I, when I did MMA, I I also thumb sometimes thought that it was a kickboxing fight. You understand? And that I can keep on going and yeah, and this is what that this is what you cannot do in MMA. So I think my MMA. Striking is getting better now, yeah. Fair enough. Now, a two-part question here. At 39 years old, realistically, how many more fights do you think you have under your banner? And how many more fights do you have left with the Bellator? And the only reason I'm asking that question is basically because if you only had one or two more and you were planning on at least having a few more fights before retirement, um, would it be possible to see you in another organization before you hang the gloves up? No, I think uh, I'm going to... I want to end like this. I want to end like the champion of Bellator. This is how I want to end, I think. So I don't think uh, about other organizations because now Bellator is uh, having uh, treating me very well and giving me like this opportunity. So uh, I will get and seize this opportunity. And if I have like, if I can get like two, three more fights, then it would be nice. And uh, I can go for my goal and just become Bellator champion. And and that time, I can say uh, I came as a champion and uh, I go as a champion. So you wouldn't desire at all defending the title? You would step away right then, right there, uh, when you win the Bellator title? Of course, then I'm going to defend them. <laughs> because I have to defend them one time or maybe two. Or three, no, <laughs> uh, no. Of course, I want to defend the title, and after a while, then you know you can see what the body says and uh, what everything does. So yeah, yeah. But I think my body can handle a lot. I think. Fair enough. Now, how close do you think, with a win over Cater, you would be to getting a shot at a Bellator gold? I don't know. I really don't know. So. Um, yeah, I really don't know, but the focus is for my, for me now on Kato. So I don't want to think about the Bellator gold at this moment. Uh, I only want to think about Hisaki Kato and he's, he's one step for me closer to my goal. So that's what I need to do. I have to win this fight, and then I'm one step closer to my goal. And if I have to do another one, I take another step to my goal. Fair enough. And now, when you do, see what, what's cut, and then we will see what Scott or Bellator will say to me. 
For sure. Now, when you do step away from the sport, whether that's in, in a couple years, in more than two years, whatever, um, depending, like, whether that's few fights, whatever, um, what do you plan to do in retirement? Yeah, I have my own gym. I have my own, I have, like, a lot of things here and what I'm doing, where I'm busy with, you know, and um, so I think that's what I'm going to do. Training of uh, training other guys to become also champion from Bellator or or others. You know, I have one guy now. It's gonna fight also Bellator Jamil Chan. Uh, he's one prodigy of mine. You know, and he's like a copy of mine. So uh, this kind of things I like to do. I think when I have when I'm going to retire. Do you think your career will feel incomplete to you at all uh, without a stint inside the UFC organization? And how close were you to ever signing a contract under Zufa? Uh, yeah, I was very close. But, you know, this is not, I think, uh, I'm very thankful with Bellator at the moment now, you know. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit awkward to talk about other organizations at the moment. I think, um, but yeah, that's isn't the question that yeah I cannot like really answer. I think you know um, I'm now with Bellator, and yeah, if Silva would come or I, I don't mind, you know, it's it's not about me now. Uh, it's new. It's now about me and Bellator, and I, I don't think that 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 will happen. I don't think so. Um. Finally, uh, how do you see your fight with uh, Hisaki Kato playing out um, on Friday night? On Friday night. It's going to be a hard fight. It's really going to be a hard fight. All right, he is Melvin Manhoff. He takes on Hisaki Kato in the main event of Bellator 146 next week. Um, Melvin, I really appreciate the time. Now, before I let you go, just let the listeners know where they can find you on social media. And uh, if there's anyone else you'd like to thank or give a shout-out to, now's your time. Yeah, I want to thank uh, my family and uh, my parents, my team, the guy from All Star Mighty, Andreas, uh, all the guys who helped me out uh, training. So uh, these are the guys that I want to shout out. Whew. We are done. That rounds out the show this week on Sucker Radio. Thank you to, as I said, the boy wonder, Nick Baldwin. For, for taking the time to chat with Melvin Manhoff. I really appreciate him doing that. I appreciate Bellator and the guys over at Spike for lining that one up for us. And thank you to Michael the Count Bisping and uh, Paradigm Sports for lining that interview up. Uh, sort of didn't go as planned in terms of timing, but you know what? It was a fun one to have him on the show. As always, he's a returning guest, a recurring guest, and uh, I'll hopefully welcome him back before his upcoming bout, which, you know, he hasn't spoken about, but he hopes is in February. So thank you to those guys for joining me. Thank you to you guys for listening to me. And thank you to my sponsors. The big one, as always, Unique Kennels. These guys are breeding the best bulldogs over the last 30 years. You can check them out on Twitter, at UniqueKennels71. Check out ProAmBelts.com for all your championship belt needs, whether you need... Something to strut around your house in, or wear in the bar, or even in bed, maybe on the toilet. 
I don't know what you want to do with your championship belts, but I've seen them do them for everything, even poker, video game championships. With Star Wars Battlefront out right now, I mean, maybe you want to hold a little tournament and get yourself a championship belt. If so, check out proambelts.com. And finally, floathouse.ca. These guys are everything you need for sensory deprivation tanks. If floating is something you want to check out because you've heard about it on the Joe Rogan experience or on this podcast, then check out floathouse.ca for all your floating tank needs. Now, this was an awesome show. It was action-packed, and uh, I'm glad you guys listened to it. Make sure you check out MMASucka.com for all your mixed martial arts needs. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MMASucka. Like us. No. Got that backwards. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at MMASucka. Check out myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. And with that... You can catch me next week, but as for right now, I'm out. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.